Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, I'm glad you're listening, and welcome yes. back. Hope everyone's off to a great start to 2019. Hopefully so far you haven't broken any of your New Year's resolutions Yeah, hold already. on. At least get to the end of January with them anyway. Yeah, let's, if, if we can make it one month, you know, it's already a success. So we've, uh, we've got a show today that's going to be all about uh, our book review, leadership book review. If you're new to the podcast, we try and do this once a month. And uh, we try and let you know in advance what book we're going to be looking at. That's assuming we know in advance. That's assuming, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so this month's uh, book review is going to be on Now Discover Your Strengths. But before we get into that, uh, we try as best we can to let you know about next month's book review. Yeah. And so uh, next month it's going to be uh, the book called Leading Minds. Uh, Anatomy of Leadership by Howard Gardner. Mm-hmm. Richard, why have you picked this one for next time? Well, he's uh, th- this, and this book has been around for a little while, but uh, he represents uh, an interesting take on leadership. Uh, he's written some subsequent books, like uh, a more recent one called Five Minds for the Leader or for the Future. But basically, he talks about multiple intelligences, and uh, some of our listeners may not be that familiar with that concept. But uh, he basically says. Uh, that we tend to just measure the IQ, and that's just one form of intelligence. Right. Uh, you may be really good at the tests that that IQs are good at, but uh, but there's other kinds of IQ which might be very comforting for some people to realize. Uh, and so he talks about uh, that because of that, you're wired differently with different uh, intelligences. That's going to affect the way you lead and the way you work with other leaders. And so. Kind of a different concept, but one that I think is worth at least being familiar with. Well, good. Well, we'll, we'll leave links to that in the show notes, as always. Yeah. And uh, you can be reading along and uh, send us any questions or uh, comments that you have about it along yeah. the way. Always enjoy those. Yeah. So today, we're talking about Now Discover Your Strengths. Uh, so this is a bit of an interesting book. Mm-hmm. Richard, why don't you uh, tell us about it? Well, Marcus Buckingham is uh, one of the, the two authors, and he is the senior vice president for the Gallup organization. And then Donald Clifton is uh, a leading guru in the area of uh, strength finders. And so these two together have written an interesting book, and I think it's one that certainly we need to address as leaders, but also I think have some caution with, with which we'll look at. But uh, they, they uh, of course... Buckingham comes out of Gallup, and so they've done millions of interviews uh, over the years and have compiled a lot of feedback from various people. And so that gives an interesting insight just in surveying that magnitude of, uh, of sample study to begin with. But uh, he comes up with an interesting thing, and maybe just to say uh, uh, Buckingham wrote an earlier book called First Break All the Rules, which was kind of an interesting take on leadership. He basically says a lot of the things that we assume as leaders that we should do, he would say uh, not necessarily. And so actually to be a kind of a breakthrough leader, you may have to not do some things that you assume leaders would do. And so that's his first kind of major book. And then he comes back with uh, um, now, you know, basically after you've broken the rules, now uh, discover your strengths. And so he says a couple things that are very interesting. And uh, and one that I think 
is worthy of a, a consideration, and that is that he says there are a lot of people working today that spend most or if not all of their day doing things that they, number one, don't enjoy doing, and number two, they're not necessarily very good at doing. And he says basically it would be revolutionary in the business world, and I would say perhaps in the church world and nonprofit world as well, if you you leveraged every person in your organization to spend the bulk of their time doing what they excel at. Mm-hmm. And the big the big debate that often leaders face in managing people is, um, where do you spend most of your time? Do you focus on, I mean, there's, there's basically two areas you're going to either focus on. One is addressing problems, which leaders have to deal with, and the other is addressing possibilities. If you find that all you're doing is constantly addressing problems, then you're probably not going to be the breakthrough, record-setting, breaking uh, organization because simply solving problems does not necessarily give you a bright future. It just perhaps saves you from the brink of destruction. <laughs> and I think a lot of individuals wrestle with that. They, they may not be good at a couple of things. Uh, that's not their strong suit. But then they find that it, because they're not good at it, it takes a lot more of their time and energy and effort to try to overcome their weaknesses. And I think a lot of leaders discovered that they spend so much time, time trying to overcome their shortcomings that they never get around to the breakthrough kind of thinking and leading that that uh, comes from following possibilities. Yeah, and th- and that sounds good because it's like, well, you know, you you on the on the field you don't put your you know your forwards as, on defense, and you don't use your defensive players for uh, offense. And so yeah. you know, if you think of it, even in the sports arena, that. You know, you certainly put people in the positions that they're strong at. Right. You know, and there's lots of examples in the sporting world of uh, coaches that had, you know, player by player, not the the most superstars on the on in the league, but the coach knew how to get every player playing in exactly the position and in the role that got their very best out of them. And of course, that's what good coaches do. They 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 figure out, okay, this guy is really good in these situations, so that's where I'll I'll put them into the game. Uh, and actually, in, in Gallup's polls, only about 20% of the people they surveyed felt that their strengths were put into play, that they were spending a, a lot of their time doing stuff that they didn't enjoy and they weren't good at. And he says there's two, two great flaws in most leadership thinking. One is that each person can become competent in almost anything with, the, with enough training and work at it. So you know, if you're not a good public speaker... Uh, just take, go to a seminar, work on it, keep on doing public speaking. You, you may hate it. Uh, you may ha- you know, bore some people to tears, but keep doing it and you're going to get better with time. Uh, and uh, the other is that uh, each person's greatest room for growth uh, are in his areas of his greatest weakness. And so if you just want to grow personally, and as we're kind of entering into a new year, a lot of times people think, well, what should I focus on that I can, you know, get more out of my life, get more results from my yeah. efforts? And he he would say the flaw is to say, well, focus on what you're not good at. And that that's your room for growth. Yeah. Uh, of course, obviously, if you're not good at something, if you improve on it, then, you know, you're going to be better. You're going to get better results. But uh, these guys would say, no, actually, your real area of growth potential is not in your areas of weakness but in the areas of strength because uh, that you're wired to do that you're good at that you're passionate about that 
And so even though you're already good at it, there's actually more room to grow in that area and get results than plugging away at areas of weakness. And there's, a, of course, there's the famous Pareto uh, principle, which says that uh, that you're, you're going to spend, um, you know, 80% on of your time on areas where you're only going to get 20% result. Uh, and you, what you want to do is you want to turn that on its head and say, well, let me let me take the 20% area that really uh, I, I can get 80% results from. And so that that 20% of your strengths, actually you can produce 80% of your results. But we tend to end up focusing 80% of our time on the area, maybe 20, where we're only getting 20% return. So, uh, so Gallup would say, uh, or I'm sorry, Buckingham would say, so look in the areas of your strength and, and focus on that and, and release yourself from batting, you know, banging your head against a wall in areas that you're just never going to be good at. Yeah. No, well, and that sounds really good too, because it's like, well, you know, you, you go where you're talented, where you have some natural ability and, and just work on making that all the better. Yeah. And of course, uh, and, we'll, and who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to do that either? You well, know, like, you know, and I just, just kind of anecdotally, I, I am around a lot of people, a lot of leaders, and I see a lot of people that really don't enjoy what they do. And uh, you have to earn a living, they say. So they, this job pays uh, better than that job. So I'll just keep doing that. But but fundamentally, they don't enjoy it. They're not necessarily good at it. Uh, and bec- and when you're not good at something, you have to work a lot harder to get the same results. Someone else who's who's good at it would would not have to work nearly as hard. Well, and I wonder if if some of that is also sort of the old American dream, which is work really hard so that you can retire with a lot of money. And, and do whatever you want to. So work is not necessarily seen as something that is fun or engaging per se, yeah. but it's just it's something you do to provide for your family yeah. and retirement. It's which almost is, like a life sentence. You just have to keep, you know, you, it's not supposed to be fun or enjoyable. Work is supposed to be work. Uh, so, you know, you're not surprised when it is. But uh, but uh, that's why I think he says this is could be so revolutionary. If you actually really took time to understand what it is that you're wired to do, that you do well, that you do naturally, that you have talents in, and then leveraging all of that so that you get the most results from from your efforts. And uh, certainly for organizations, um, you know, there's a lot of bad management out there that grossly underutilizes talents that are there. I'll tell you, churches are the worst at that. They have pews filled with people who have all kinds of problem-solving abilities and so on, and then we, we put them in jobs where we don't even utilize that. Um, you know, here pass an offering plate, but here's a guy who solves problems for a huge company, uh, you know, week after week, but churches don't leverage all those skills and abilities, and uh, instead we put them in mindless kind of jobs that that uh, robs the church, robs the organization of all kinds of benefits. So. I think from a leadership perspective, he would say, get to know your people and, uh, and then p- place them in positions where they're going to enjoy what they do. And of course, when you enjoy what you do, you do, you do it better, you, you do it longer. I mean, you, you're all full, wholly engaged. Um, and of course, the, the second part of this book, uh, Clifton kind of comes in and, and offers uh, to identify the various strengths that they've identified. They have a whole uh, strengths finder. 
survey that helps you find what your strengths are, what you're good at. And then their, of course, their focus then would be to say, once you know what your strengths are, uh, then, uh, and then look at what you're doing now. Are you even in the right job? Maybe you need to go work for someone else that will use your strengths. Hmm. Something else they say that is interesting is that, uh, that the higher up you go in the, the corporate ladder, the less that you use your strengths. Mm. Uh, it's sort of interesting. What It's sort of the Peter principle. You, you start out, because you're good at some things, uh, you, you get recognized by management, you get put in management, and then now uh, you, you eventually are you sort of depart from all the things you're good at and right. passionate about. Now you're dying in committee meetings and <laughs> all kinds of uh, organizational, tedious kinds of work that you, you lose your passion for. And so... Sadly, the people sometimes higher, highest in management are the ones that are working the most outside of their giftedness. And, uh, yeah. of course, if you're doing that, then you're going to have difficulty helping people downline from you uh, also working where they're, they're strong as well. You know, and I think that's important to, to recognize as well that not everyone is, is necessarily meant for management and getting a, a raise or some sort of promotion uh, as far as being in charge of more people or more responsibility isn't always necessarily where that person wants to be. Like no. you, you may not want that. Um, and so, you know, recognizing that that's not necessarily a benefit to you if, if you're leaning and if your talents are not in organizing and managing people. Yeah. And too many people do that. Of course, the seduction of more money, higher pay, yeah. has led many a person to, to write out of their area of giftedness and passion. And now they're just counting down the, the time clock till they can retire and enjoy that extra money that they were earning. Yeah. But, you know, I just feel really strongly that, that God designed us to work and to find pleasure and joy and satisfaction in our labor and when you're not doing that, um, you, you really need to stop and take a look. Uh, and, you know, that's partly why you get, you pursue more education. I know people that get out of high school and they just want to start working. They don't take time to go to college. They prep, I mean, if they could, if, if they had the ability, but it's like, well, I'm tired of school. Well, that's all right. And for the first couple of years, making money and getting that car whatever else you want to purchase is great. But uh, the reason you, you get a, an education is it, it gives you more options. And, you know, options are important when you're trying to find the job that, that ties right into your, your passion, your gifts. And uh, so sometimes it's worth taking a little bit extra time to get more credentials, qualifications, education. Because you spend a lot of time at work. And, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't hate your job. You shouldn't hate Monday mornings. Yeah, you shouldn't live for Friday. You shouldn't live for the two week vacation you get once a year. Uh, you ought to actually enjoy going to work. And so, I think uh, these guys are are tapping into some real felt needs. Uh, Definitely, you know. And I think it certainly behooves all of us to ask. Well, let me identify. You know, do I? By the way, do I even know what my strengths and my weaknesses are? Yeah. Uh, you know, they they give an example of, of uh, Warren Buffett, and they say. You know, Buffett is a genius at investing money, and that's and the reason he's been so successful is he has focused laser-like on what he's good at. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's terrible at other things, and so he uh, do, he doesn't bother himself with that stuff. Uh, and of course, when you're one of the wealthiest human beings on the planet, you you certainly by that point have the luxury of doing what you want 
But, sure. But the reason, yeah, it's easy to say. From... But, but the reason he's so wealthy is that he has been able to really leverage his strengths in a magnificent way. So, you know, I think that's a challenge for all of us is, number one, if I were just to sit down with our listeners one by one and say, okay, well, what are your weaknesses? And how much of your time and energy right now are you spending in areas you're not even very good at? Uh, and could some of those be passed on, delegated to someone else? Could you get a different job where perhaps you could actually spend more of your time in areas of your strength and passion? Because I'll tell you, when you're doing what you're good at and what you enjoy doing, uh, work is not something you have to dread. It, it, yeah. it doesn't drain you. You know, you don't resent it. Uh, you actually have to kind of sometimes make yourself go home at the end of the day because you're engaged and excited and passionate about what you're investing your life in. And certainly... For our listeners, that would be the, the dream is uh, really truly to enjoy what you do and, and to do it well. Uh, mm. I think when you do your work well, you bring glory to God. Yeah. And, uh, and you go home at the end of the day or at the end of the year, and you really feel good about the way you invested that year of your life. Well, good. Well, let's take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, dive a little deeper into now discover your strengths. Once a quarter, Richard Blackaby gives a conference call devotional for marketplace leaders in partnership with Workforce Ministries. The next call will be held on Wednesday, January 9th from 7.30 to 8.15 a.m. Visit workforceministries.org for the phone number and access code. Links will also be in the show notes. Well, now that we all want to work in a way that (laughs) makes us happy, that plays to our strengths, our talents, our abilities... Uh, you know, we're all fired up now to, to go do that, which we love. Um, what what possible pitfalls or, or dangers do you see in just going, you know, full bore for your strength and just managing away your weaknesses? Well, uh, great question, Sam. I think, uh, you know, in part, when the way that material has been presented, you think, well, that just, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's uh, common sense, right? Like, just, Yeah, just uh, do what you're good at. But, uh, of course, there's usually an opposing view. And I think uh, when you do leadership studies, it's really good to read and study both sides of the aisle. And uh, there's an interesting book written or edited by Robert B. Kaiser. It's called The Perils of Accentuating the Positive. And uh, hmm. that, that's sort of that interesting. Sounds, you know? sounds quite the opposite of uh, yeah, discovering you, your strengths. And, uh, and, uh, and if you look around enough when studying leadership, you'll find all these popular books that have had an influence usually have a rebuttal. And, uh, you know, you, you, the truth usually probably lies somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kaiser says, or, or in the, the writers that uh, uh, submit to this, they're mostly scholar, a little bit more scholarly. They're, they're academic uh, uh, studies, articles written. But uh, let me just kind of highlight a couple of things that are said in that book. One is, they said, when, when practiced with a single-minded focus, the strengths approach can become an exercise in self-indulgence. It emphasizes what comes easy for managers and what we enjoy doing. And uh, they go on to say it's a case of putting the needs of the individual above the needs of the organization. And, mm. and so, of course, uh, what, what they'll go on to say is, you, you know, you, you can't always just do what you enjoy. And, I mean, that, of course, appeals to our sort of selfish uh, desire to just, I just want to have enjoy, enjoy, have fun by, at my work. I don't want to do stuff that's hard. I don't, I don't want to do stuff I don't like. And, of course, in most organizations, there's always some things someone's got to do that uh, they won't necessarily enjoy. And, uh, and what they'll say is it can, it can lead to a lot, lopsided leaders. 
Yeah. Because leaders, if all they ever, of course, we're always drawn to do the stuff we like the most. And so on a, on a typical day, if you've got a list of things to do, what are you going to do first? All the stuff you like. Yeah. What are you going to leave to the end or maybe run out of time to do? All the stuff you don't like doing yeah. that, that are hard for you. And so over time, you end up becoming lopsided. Uh, they'll talk about a dark side. Uh, they talk about how the fact that many CEOs and top leaders will fall. They'll fail either morally or ethically, or they'll just get fired. They'll get so far out on a limb of their giftedness uh, that they'll uh, end up have experiencing catastrophe. And these uh, people would say, you know, sometimes if you neglect your weaknesses, they become a pitfall. Mm. Uh, you'll end up becoming derailed. You become so lopsided. And, and some of these uh, companies that were, of course, famous for uh, making huge amounts of money, but they neglected good accounting. They accounted, They neglected uh, they said, a lot of yeah. other principles. It's accounting like, is just not my strength. Yeah, it's like, I'm really good at making money. You know, I'm, I'm really good at uh, possibilities and investments. And uh, But all that tedious stuff, uh, you know, they neglected uh, to their peril and to the, the peril of uh, the organization. But Peter Drucker says kind of an interesting thing. He says, most people think that they know what they're good at. They are usually wrong. <laughs> now, of course, uh, Gallup would, or and the organization and the Buckingham and so on, Clifton would say, "Well, that's why we've uh, devised these uh, strengths finders, so you can uh, do that." I, you know, from a Christian perspective, I would also say that Jesus had something to say about this. He said, "Where you're strong, that's where you're actually weak. But where you're weak, that's where you'll experience the strength of God." And uh, and so I think. From a secular perspective, certainly saying go with your strengths makes sense. And I think certainly even in the church and in the Christian world, you ought to know your strengths and you ought to know what you're good at. Uh, mm -hmm. I know people that want to sign up, for instance, well, they, they like giving talks in public, but they're not really good at it. They don't get fruit from that. And, and, and maybe they need to not necessarily be volunteering for some of those things or they need to take classes and improve on it. I don't think it's wrong necessarily to try to address weaknesses. Uh, you know, you're never going to be strong necessarily at your weaknesses, but uh, you don't, they don't have to be such a detriment to your leadership if you'll give them some attention. But, uh, but, but Jesus said sometimes the things that you'll have the greatest impact on are things you see as a weakness. Certainly Moses yeah. did not see himself as strong at speaking, public speaking or leadership. But that's actually what he ended up doing uh, spectacularly. Gideon did not see himself as a leader, yeah. uh, but he ended up delivering his, his uh, people from oppression. So, you know, biblically, oftentimes God gets the most glory in our weakness. So certainly when God is leading you to do something, don't, don't just write it off if God is the one initiating some things right. in your life because that may actually be uh, the area that you'll bring the most glory to him and surprise yourself and everyone else. Uh, and, and also I think, uh, you know, we just, we, sometimes we just have to be willing to pay the price and do things that need to get done. You know, minimize that if you can, like don't, you know, don't just be, allow it to become a black hole of your time and energy where you're spending so much time on your weakness that um, you don't have time for the possibilities. Uh, but I think you ought to know your strengths. You ought to know your weaknesses. Mm. Uh, one of the quotes is, uh, if knowledge is power, then self-knowledge is superpower. And he's, I think that is true, that leaders really need to know themselves very well. A lot of leaders don't. They overestimate their strengths. They underestimate their weaknesses. 
uh, I think you should know yourself well and then uh, be very wary of your weaknesses. Be careful you don't get put in a spot where your weakness uh, can bring you down. And at the same time, uh, don't necessarily just fixate on your weaknesses or your strengths to the point that you're not open to what God wants you to do. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting as well because uh, you and I have been studying Second Timothy and First Timothy before that. But you know, it's really interesting because Paul's looking at Timothy, who's a great uh, number two guy, like he's a great support staff, and uh, he's he's being asked to to become the number one guy. Yeah, you know, as Paul is is nearing the end of his time, and he's sort of encouraging Timothy to say, you know, I know this is not your your natural leaning to be. The number one, but but you got to step up and and do that, and you yeah. know, I think sometimes that, that is what's required. But uh, if at all possible, clearly uh, go with your strengths. Yeah, and I think you know too. Sometimes I think God just knows we need an area of weakness uh, to, for humility's sake. Mm. Uh, when 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 the only thing you ever do is what you're good at and praised for and successful at, it, it certainly can lead to a loss of humility and to greater pride. So uh, you know, I think sometimes. At least keeping a flaw out there. I think New Year's resolutions <laughs> sometimes are an acknowledgement. I still have some errors I'm not very good at. I'm not good at everything. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting quote. It says, there uh, jammed pipelines are often filled with managers who can't get let go of behaviors that made them successful at lower leadership levels. Mm. And as you go up, you, if you were good at something, you want to just keep beating that drum because you want more success. You want more praise. But... But now you're in a different level. You've got to grow in, in other areas. You have to have different skills. And sometimes people are holding on to the same tricks and and practices that gave them success in the first place. But uh, they're in a different context now, yeah. and they have to grow. And I think leaders who stop growing, who just keep going back to the same successful skills that uh, they've used before, become stunted ultimately. And so, you know, I think there's some, some value in both sides. I think... Uh, Certainly know yourself, and I think uh, if you are you know, a great home run hitter, then, boy, your, your coach needs to be getting you to the, to the plate as often as he can. If your, your forte is more defense, then you're going to be positioned there to, to do the most you can there. But uh, at the same time, also don't give up on your, your weaknesses. Don't shrug your shoulders and just say, yeah. I guess I'm always going to be bad at this. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different resources out there to, to help you address almost area of, any area of weakness that uh, maybe you don't want to just sink all your time into that because then you won't be getting the fruit you need to in other areas. But um, but don't give up on that because yeah. otherwise you become a lopsided person with some huge dark sides that can cause you to, to, to stumble and fail uh, because you just never address those. Well, great. Well, this, is, this has been a fascinating... Uh, book review and uh, it's a really interesting book and I think it's it's very helpful in a lot of ways but uh, all as always with a, a grain of salt yeah each yeah. of these so well thanks again all right thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed review us on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends if you have questions or comments please email us at podcast at blackbee.org